Peace, everybody, and welcome to the DLD 45. On this episode, we have Oscar and Emmy Award winner, effects makeup artist Howard Berger. He is the guy that makes the things look real. He makes things look scary and spooky. So pull up an ear and listen to my man Ty talk to Howard Berger in this very spooky Halloween season. Don't eat the funny color candies. Leave the candy corns alone. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Stop what you're doing listen. This is the DoD 45 podcast, drawing over discussions, 45 minutes with a special guest. Welcome. I'm your host and resident artist, Ty of Art by Ty, and with my co-host, Adrian Taiwali'i, we're having conversations with people who I admire and am inspired by. On this episode, I'll set a 45-minute timer, put my pen to the paper, and we'll learn about our guest through an interview-style discussion. So stay right here with us to experience some laughs and maybe even learn a thing or two. Okay, hello, welcome. <laughs> Good morning, Adrian. Oh, I can't see you on my screen. Switch to the. Oh, there we go. Good morning. Hi. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> annoyed. Why? Generally. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure people would like to hear it. I don't know. I'm just annoyed. Oh, nothing in particular. Or just, I'm generally annoyed lately. Oh. Well, that's, that's, what, uh, do I want to get into that now or should I introduce, uh, today our guest is um, Howard Berger. I'm really excited about it. He's, uh, he's a, a master in the special effects world. So it's a little switch up from um, our normal hip hop interviews. Um, but he's got a new book out called Masters of Makeup Effects. So we'll, we're, we're having him in today and I'm really excited about that. It's about the being generally annoyed. It's almost Halloween and uh, that's usually a pretty exciting time. But Not <laughs> for me. When we went, we went Halloween shopping last night to get some stuff for our, our gallery show that's coming up this um, October 28th and for Halloween in general. And um, yeah, you were like, I'm over it. Already. I, I don't, Halloween's is something that's one day a year. I don't like celebrate it. It's not like Christmas where there's a whole lead up to, or apparently it is now. Yeah, our daughter's been doing Halloween since October 1st. It's just not your thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a generational thing. Like Halloween was something you did once a year and now it's in like starts in September. Well, I always and you need, like, got prepared for Halloween. I love decorating the house. It's always been a... No, it's uh, fine. The decorating of the house is fine, but... Well, that's a lead up. Oh, well. So uh, you're not completely over it, or you are completely over uh, it? I don't want to decorate anymore. So, yeah, when you guys were shopping for things for the gallery, I just was like, oh, I don't... This is too much stuff. I don't want to be overwhelmed with more stuff. <laughs> well, what do you think of um, 
this uh, DOD 45 light up thing that I put in. More stuff. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Look at your office. This is stuff everywhere. I it's love fine. stuff. I, you do. I do not. That's why you have this. So that you have all your stuff. Yeah. I had to build a whole gallery to put all my stuff in. And then you came and took my stuff. The, the few things that I had. And then you brought them in here. What stuff? I don't know. There's some paintings and things that oh. you just snagged. Well, I like to put my paintings and stuff up. I think. I have a rotation. <laughs> oh. I have some that I put away for a while until I find a better spot. We that doesn't mean that uh -huh. I don't want them. Oh, okay. Well, you're welcome to grab anything out of here that you want. <clears throat> then you can make more room for more stuff. <laughs> I can get some more stuff. I love stuff. Speaking of stuff, um, my, in my old, my bedroom that I grew up in, I've, I've mentioned it before. I wish you would have saw it. I wonder if, it would have, I wonder if you would have been generally annoyed by my bed. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like if I was a kid, I probably wouldn't have cared. But if I was dating you and your bedroom was full of horror stuff, I'd have been like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I had I, I had um, the cardboard cut out of pumpkin head, um, um, and um, like Evil Dead posters everywhere. And both both those movies, our guest today has worked on, which is really cool. Oh. Well, I'll tell you, I did buy some stuff yesterday. You did so, buy stuff. But you don't know about it. I was uh, putting, for the last four episodes, I've mentioned that Buck 65 album. Mm -hmm. I'm not fanning or anything over my my buck. But I was up, I was putting that album on my running playlist because I did like to run to it, but I want my other songs in there mixed in. And on his Spotify, it was like, these albums are for sale. And I went, what? I've never seen these covers. So I clicked on it, and I went over to uh, some merch store. <laughs> and they're, I'm like, what are, what are these? And I bought them, and they're CDs. Uh -huh, you bought CDs. I am never going to listen to a freaking CD, and what am I going to do with it? I don't even know. And then I didn't think that it worked, because it was like, I thought it was tricking me is they're like oh last this is the last one there's one left so i bought them and then it didn't look like it went through so i was like you know i should buy his book because i've always wanted his book so i didn't think that that went through and i went and i bought his book because i just really want to read it that's the one thing i will do is probably buy books although i usually get them from the library Anyway, so then I bought the book, and then I checked my email later that day, and it said that the CD sales did go through. <laughs> so now I have two CDs that I don't know what they are of his. Wow. And I'm, I'll never, ever, ever listen to them. And then the CD cases are just going to sit around and collect dust somewhere. Turns out you are human. <laughs> you're like the rest of us. You buy stuff. Well, But I then immediately you're like... <laughs> I'm going to have to give them to the kids. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. They're CDs. I'm never, ever, ever going to listen to them. I know. I've been buying a lot of vinyl, but I, and I, I, but I find... I, I know what you, how you feel there because I don't think I could buy a CD. At least it's small, I guess. I'll give it that. Yeah. I do have that one CD player at our house in Utah. But it's hard to like put a CD in. 
Yeah, I'll never do it. No. I don't want to just listen to a CD. I know. I love listening to the vinyl in here. I like putting a, a, a record on. I like that it forces me to have to stop what I'm doing to flip the album. <laughs> well, that's interesting. That's funny. It's funny that you're... Uh, you you bought stuff. I got duped with that <laughs> one left. There's only one of both of these left. Well, hey, we, oh sorry. Oh nothing. Go ahead. What were you? Nothing. You well, I was going to say we're it is um, October and we're kind of back into the schedule where we're, re we're recording the uh, episodes in real time. So I should say it is our by time and this the the podcast is part of it. So right, uh, there's still time to get yourself an Ink Tiber book. Does that feel like I'm running an ad? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just say what you got to say. Full of the drawings. Just fucking say, say what you got to say. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I will say this, though. You can't see it, but I one of my few graphic t-shirts I'm wearing today. Oh. Oh. Who is it? Well, it, it is. Oh, man. there's bats. It's bats. Our bats are back. Oh, our, that's our, I why is that funny? I love our bats and we have a big preserve here with old lime caves, lime mining caves. Mhm. Mm and they migrate and I think our caves hold like 200,000 of the endangered Indiana bat, the my the sedalis, my is it mitosis? Mitosis sedalis. Caves, and so they're back, and uh, our daughter and I saw one yesterday when we went, or a couple of days ago when we went out for our walk, hibernating, or um, sleeping under one of the eaves of the places. So. Well, I'm saying it's funny because I wanted to mention this today, or it just happened this morning, speaking of bats. It was just funny that you brought up bats because uh, on my run this morning, I was just zoning out again, on, and I was listening to the music, and... Um, I was running kind of down by where the caves, you know, by the Sedalis where the bats are. And I wear this, uh, this armband thing f f with my phone. Um, and my phone stretches these pieces out, mm -hmm. but they, they break. I don't know if you can see it, but like that's broke. So I had this on my arm and I was running and I was just zoned out and it broke. So my phone flipped up and like smacked me in the arm. And I, I thought a bat hit me. Oh. <laughs> and I, have you seen the, the video of the, the guy in his office and the squirrel comes in his office and he like, and he's on a Zoom call and he jumps and he's screaming. Like <laughs> I didn't scream that bad, but like it flipped up and hit me in the arm. And, you know, I was just kind of zoned out and I thought a bat hit me out and I just, I like jumped. Yeah, <laughs> I did like that. <laughs> I did that the other day. I was in your mom's basement checking the gas line, and I stepped on something squishy. <laughs> and I was FaceTiming her. It was dark, and I screamed because I thought, "Oh my god, I just stepped on like a dead rat or a mouse." <laughs> it was a Nerf dart down oh. there. I don't know why. Um, yeah, everything. It's all Halloween. I'm really excited about Halloween. I always have been. It's my favorite holiday of the year. I got my uh, Nightmare on Elm Street coffee mug, wearing my Bad Taste t-shirt. What does that mean? Bad Taste. This is this old horror movie. Well, it's this is a play on Bad Brains' album cover. Mm -hmm. But Bad Taste is this, it was uh, a, an old independent movie by Peter Jackson, the one who does the, um, 
you know, the Lord of the Rings. It is the bloodiest, goriest, grossest movie. It's so fantastic. I love it. So if you get a chance to get out and watch that, it's not, it's not scary. It's just bloody gory. And I think it's Peter Jackson's first movie. So go see that. That's awesome. Or get, rent it or find, you know, find it somewhere. Um, that's going to come up a little bit later because I wanted to ask our guest about something about that. Oh, so I mentioned I've wanted to be a special effects artist my whole life. I, uh, not you know, that's whole not life. my whole life. That, that went away, you know, after I started making movies. But it was always something I really, 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 really wanted to do. So I'm really excited about our guest. Um, the other thing, not only did I want to be a special effects artist, but I also made movies. I wanted to make movies. I loved movies. I'm a huge fan of movies. And, I, and you know, I've made five feature-length films. Actually, yeah, five. Uh, one of them the public has seen, <laughs> the major public. Um, but they were never horror movies. They just kind of had a little bit of horror. Right? They're like thrillers, maybe, but... You know, they were kind of boring because I didn't have the production value and all that. I once had a chance to go work on a horror movie, um, on a Tom Savini movie in uh, North Carolina, or it was in Atlanta. That w- w- We were dating at that time, right? Yeah. No? You never went to Atlanta. I didn't go. It was right before 9-11. Remember, my movie was playing at a film festival in North Carolina, were we dating at that time? Mm-hmm. God, I, yeah, we must have been. I mean, we were though, right? We've been dating since we were like 19, so. Oh. So I did make a movie when I was 19. Twice you a day. You had it out when you were 18. If yeah. 17 or 18. Well, anyway. Not twice today, Luck and Rat Poisoning. Yeah, no, but there was a twice today was playing at the film festival in North Carolina. The fe- festival I won best, best picture. Anyway, um... That I met a guy there that was making a movie with a horror movie with Tom Savini, and we and um, I was supposed to go fly out there and stay with the guy and work on the movie, but then nine eleven happened, and then I never I did I wasn't was never getting on a plane again, or at least I didn't think so. Um, anyway, uh, so my love for movies, though actual movies, not just the special effects part, came from Pulp Fiction. I saw Pulp Fiction when Pulp Fiction first came out. I saw it in the movie theater. I think 12 times and I signed up for film school right, right, right then, right after, like after I saw it and I was like, I'm going to make fucking movies. So I bring that up because our guest also has worked on all of Tarantino's movies. I don't know about all of them, but I think so since Reservoir Dogs, he was a special or the makeup artist on Reservoir Dogs. I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew he was, I knew our guest was, a, you know, and did the horror movies and stuff because I was a fan of the horror movies when I was younger. So this, so that's cool. I wanted to bring that up. So going into today's discussion, preparing for it, I want to use this vegan, like a uh, vegan restaurant analogy. Um, you know how when we go into a vegan restaurant and the menus, like it's overwhelming. There's mm-hmm. so many different choices that you're almost like, I don't, I don't know. It's like just overwhelming. Well, that's how I feel today because there's so much that I want to ask our guest Howard about, but I, I just, I know we won't have the time and I know I w- we won't be able to get to it. So <laughs> you could fill an entire wall with, I don't know about your favorite movies, but like most people could fill an entire wall with their favorite movies and throw a dart at the wall and it, uh, it'll hit, uh, probably hit a movie that, Howard, our guest, has worked on. 
Wait, his name's Howard? Yeah. Howard Berger is his name. Why? Well, you first when you first told me that, I shouldn't even say this. When you first told me that the other day, I just kept thinking of hamburger. And so this whole time, I'm like, I think his name's Tom Berger. Hamburger. What is I don't know. You should probably cut that out. That's no, that's like, funny. I mean, he's a... I mean, his last name's Burger. He's somebody you should... I should a household name. No, no, I don't think so. That's I just don't. He's not necessarily a household name. He's a makeup. I mean, he did makeup, makeup effects and and stuff. Most people don't know those names. Lots of people know Tom Savini's name because Tom Savini was also an actor and he was kind of one of the ones that made the special effects scene, like it made it, turned it into like a rock star thing. Mm -hmm. And Tom Savini was sort of a, sort of a rock star. I mean, Howard even worked with Tom Savini on, on plenty of movies. This, listen, that being said, even though he's not a household name, he has won an Oscar. I mean, the guy has an Oscar statue, and he won that for Chronicles of Narnia. He did this makeup, uh, the special effects, the makeup. Yeah, he won an Oscar for that. He's also an Emmy Award winner. He's got an Emmy for his work on Walking Dead. His company, KMB, with uh, Greg Nicotero, Nicotero they do um, the Walking Dead series. So, I mean... Is that still running? I don't know. You know, I, I tell people I, I binge watched it like six seasons and I just couldn't take anymore. Binge watching Walking Dead is a hard one to do <laughs> because you're like, you watch them back to back. and You're like, are you fucking serious? How many bullets does this guy have in this gun? And then <laughs> how many times can you walk into a room alone, you know, without like someone right. else? When you see that right next to each other, it's like, are you kidding me? So those kind of shows are hard to binge watch. Um, but I, 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 I felt like that's kind of how Ozark was. Ozark, that was how Ozark was for me, like, for really? sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, come on, dude, are you you're gonna do that now? You just went through this, you dumbass. <laughs> I did finish it, but okay. Well, I guess we're gonna be going to a break here pretty soon because I'm sure he's gonna be showing up. But I just I wanted to say, uh, I wanted to thank a few people real quick while we're sitting here. Um, I wanted to thank a wall one for doing the announcing for our, for our show. That's, it's really cool to me. Um, I want to thank Mr. Dibbs for wanting to do these whole question things. It was, it was his idea. Actually, it was his idea to have past guests ask questions, but then you were like, why don't you just have just Dibbs do the questions? And then also I wanted to thank, um, we have um, a partnership with some new uh, sponsors, a weird word, but uh, Brim. It's not. Huh? Is it? Okay. Okay. Some sponsorship partners with uh, Brim of the World, um, a.k.a. Aliens Built Earth, uh, Seek, Conquer, Destroy, or is it Search, Conquer, Destroy? Anyway, the clothing line, they're awesome. And this is a Brim of the World hat. I actually bought this before you know we hooked up with them. I, I'm a big fan of their, their clothing line. And then Hobsauce. And obviously, we're... Big Hobsauce fans. I've done a label for Hobsauce. Um, so I want to thank all of them for being a part of it. And uh, AWOL One's podcast, I, I seriously listen to it. It's one of the ones that I, I just don't miss. But he's got uh, this October, he's doing, he's playing these old uh, horror, like vintage old commercials. Vintage, vintage commercials. He does a whole episode with vintage commercials and, and, uh, he's talking about old horror movies and stuff. So it's a real good time to be listening to the Speaker Face podcast. So after you're done uh, checking us out, make sure you go uh, check out our, our pal, AWOL1. Uh, the one, one other thing, 
with the sponsor thing. I was bringing it up because I did get a comment from someone. Someone left a comment about the production value of the show. They know, recognize like that the production value is kind of stepped up. I thought that was really cool, and it's because we put you know putting a little putting a little more time and stuff into it. This is still just like an extension of Art by Ty. This isn't what we do for a living, but it's uh shoot, I lost my train of thought. What I am going to say, I think I'm going to start doing a thing. We're going to put together a little package that you can win. I want to give you some hot, some, uh, hot sauce from Hob Sauce, some clothing line from uh, Brim of the World, and Book of Arms book from Art by Ty, and maybe some prints and stuff, and that we'll put together a little package. And the way you can win is all you got to do is go on and leave a comment on a past episode. On where? On, like, on YouTube. Okay. Leave, a past, leave a comment on any past episode. The more comments you leave, the more chances you'll have to win. Or, or you can also just leave a review at Apple Podcast or Spotify. Leave a review for the show. What we'll do once a month, we'll just draw a name. We'll take all the names from all the people that have left a review or all the people who've left a comment and put them in a whatever a hat and we'll just draw a name and so, then they can find that on our dod 45 instagram actually i have something different for the instagram one yeah dod45.com or dod45w at dod45w on instagram on the instagram thing i was thinking leave us a comment of guests you would like to see us have on the show and if we end up uh, booking your, the guest you suggested We'll even have you call in and leave a, uh, um, with your question for our guest. Now, keep in mind, we are, it's not like, you know, I, I, don't, I doubt we're going to be able to land a George Clooney guest. That being said, Howard Berger has worked with George Clooney <laughs> on From Dust Till Dawn. But, but no, obviously, we're not going to get George Clooney. But I don't care. You can leave whoever you want. Anyone you would like to see us um, try to get on the show. But anyway... What do you think of that? Did I cruise through that too fast? Or was it too much no, information? Because I felt like your you eyes were explained. glossing over. You explained. I mansplained. Yes. So I, uh, leave a comment, win a prize. Leave a comment, win a prize, or leave a review. Good? Yeah. All right. Quick so break. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with our guest, Howard Berger. D-O-D-45. Amplify the flavor of your favorite foods with Hob Sauce's award-winning flavors. Create your own four-pack at HobSauces.com. Not only do they make dope hot sauce, they collaborate with dope artists for their labels and flavors, including myself, Atmosphere, Aesop Rock, Crayola, Rob Sonic, and so many more. We love Hob Sauce over here at DoD45 and damn near put it on everything we eat. We got extra bottles in the car, Adrian has one in her purse, I have an emergency bottle in my backpack, and if you're ever running out, we always have a bottle available of the garlic turmeric, which I did the octopus label for, here at my gallery in Hannibal, Missouri. Hit it, Bobby. Have sauce, have sauce. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Put it on your food. Hot sauce. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the world. My name is Tony, and I have a podcast, too. I know what you're saying. I already know. Okay, but I have a podcast, too. Just like you, just like your grandma, just like your grandma's neighbor, we all have podcasts, except... Mine is different. I'm different. I was born different. The Speaker Face Podcast is fun. 
It will teach you probably nothing. You cannot smell it, and you definitely can taste it. Speaker Face Podcast by me, AWOL1, and I talk to uh, my friends, I talk to musicians, artists, all kinds of creative people, all kinds of human beings. I do like little songs and little freestyles and skits. And So after you're done listening to DOD45 with my man Ty, which is a very, 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 very interesting podcast that you should religiously watch and listen to, after you're done, check out speakerface.store for the Speakerface podcast. And you could also listen to it wherever other podcasts are podcasting. You know what I'm saying? So check it out, Speakerface Podcast. Your life will be better. I don't promise. Speakerface Podcast. Here's a little story that must be told. Hey, we are stoked to be starting a relationship with Brim of the World and look forward to building on our partnership with them in the future. Listen, I almost never go without a hat, so hooking up with Brim of the World was a no-brainer. As far as your situation goes, you know your head is looking pretty chunt these days, and it's time to throw some headgear on there. And I'm not talking braces headgear, I'm talking about hats. And Bot World, a.k.a. Brim of the World, has a treasure trove of headwear to pick from, so check them out at brimoftheworld.com. And also check out their SCD collection. SCD is Seek, Conquer, Destroy, and it's their action sports brand. Seek wisdom to conquer all obstacles and destroy anything that tries to stand in your way for success. Also, also, also check out their Aliens Built Earth clothing line. Super dope clothing line. I rock their hoodies and shirts all the damn time. Aliens Built Earth was born with the notion and belief that Aliens Built Earth Uh, You'll find some type of clothing or headwear from these cats on me at almost all times. And that was before DOD45 partnered with them. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Head over to brimoftheworld.com and start building your wardrobe now. And uh, yo, I just noticed they're offering free shipping in the U.S. So, I mean, really, can you beat that? No, you cannot. Hey, it's me, Ty. Just popping on real quick to let you know that my art is available for purchase at artbyty.com. So if you like what you're seeing or you want to support this podcast, the best way for you to do that is by picking up a print or an original on my website. If you're not quite ready for a purchase, but you still want to help out, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you stream from. And be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel so you'll never miss an episode. All right, enough of all that. Now let's get back to the show. Hello. Hello, Howard. How are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Fantastic. I I can hear you. (laughs) Perfect. That's even better. (laughs) How long do they, how long do you, is it comfortable to go on with that? uh, Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? You're you're mute. You're mute. You're mute. So yeah, that's the, that's the new phrase. That's the, that's the phrase of this year. You're on mute. (laughs) Oh, I'm looking at your coffee mug. Is uh, was that is that the book that's on your coffee mug? 
Oh I'm yes, coffee mugs. Yes. But that's your is that your book that's yeah. on there? Yeah, it, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, we have a lot of uh, you know, swag. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to thank you though for joining us. Uh, sure. On the show. It's sure. it's really um, it's really ama- amazing having you on the show. Oh, I don't well, like to fan out too much when I have people on the show. I don't like to make people uncomfortable, but. I am a huge fan. Oh, uh, thanks. I appreciate that. I used to watch this m- movie every single morning. Not every single morning. But it wasn't a movie. It was like a highlights of of new horror movies coming out. Mm-hmm. But it was on videotape, and I can't remember what it was called. I still have the tape, but it's back what, in my home. What is, what is it about? The two movies that it covered that were in it were Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and Bad Taste. But in this, they did a, a tour of of the KMB uh studio but i can't remember it was like huh. um kind of like a like a magazine like i can't what do you call oh, this movie magic was that it movie magic uh yeah i know i would remember if uh, i heard it so i don't think that was it all righty uh yeah i guess it doesn't matter but it was the first time i mean i loved horror movies and i was always watching horror movies but I, that was when i discovered kmb so i've been a fan ever since then cool. um yeah growing up i we were I wish I could remember the name of this of this show, but yeah, it was they were just kind of like highlighting all these different horror movies that were uh-huh. out, and then and then they did a, t- a little tour of the. But what about TV. it? You watched well, it all the time because of why? Well, because I I loved first of all I loved showing it to all the kids, and I mean at that time I was in you know I was eleven years old, so it was really fucking cool for me to show people this video, especially like of the bad taste. They were showing a bunch of scenes of bad taste. And I was like, check this shit out. I just loved watching it and showing people. And, and it was like one of the, you know, now, nowadays we have internet so people can find out like, how do I make an at or a machete going through the head or, you know, but there there was no really way to find that out other than the magazines. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was like one of the first shows that I saw like in person, like, here's how, here's how you do this. Yeah. Yeah. And then seeing KMB, like just seeing you guys, like I don't know, I was uh, it was exciting, and so <laughs> I watched it all the time. Oh, uh, cool, man! Yeah, there was a bunch of those. Yeah, maybe it, I mean you know there was a lot of those uh, back then. You know when the shops were back in the eighties and early nineties, they had a lot of behind the scenes shows and stuff like that that were. Are yeah, crazy. now it's all just like YouTube clips yeah. or YouTube videos, and yeah, yeah. I guess that is, I don't know if that's better or worse. I don't know. I don't want to. How do you feel about that? I th- I think it's fine. I mean, it gets it out there. You know, it's just a different world. It's, I mean, it, it's easier for people to go. Okay, I want to take a look at you know K and B, and they can write K and B effects in, and then boom, all these hundreds of videos come up. So yeah. I mean, that's that's great. You know, if it if it interests people and the interest is there and they they're enthusiastic about it, that sounds great to me. Yeah. So yeah, I have no oh. issue with it. I want to ask you when when you were talking about doing like you're doing all the your own promotion. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're, you know, you're a, you've been around for a while. Is it weird, like having to get back in that those those to fill those boots of like I need to promote and get out there and do that? No, again? because well, no, because it's different. It's for a different a different venue. If I had to go out and promote myself as a, you know, to try to get a job, that would be strange because I haven't done that in decades. But uh, <laughs> but for the book, it's different because I'm selling my like this you know this labor of love sort of thing so it's it's different and also i just know where to go those the the unfortunate it's not against the publishers it's just sure i just don't really know i I learned that you know don't underestimate laziness and uh and um you know they just kind of make the book and then and then that's it right and uh you know they haven't done any job like every event that we've set up is because i set it up and um 
you know, we're sold out in the United States. So they're wow. having, they're starting the second run, which will be, I guess, <clears throat> well, hopefully it'll be ready for Christmas because they're expecting a big Christmas. They have tons and tons of orders they can't fill currently. And then in the UK, they're, they're doing okay. So they're pulling stock from the UK and shipping it here to fulfill all the orders here. Cause there was a little bit of a lag when the book was released, people weren't getting their books as quickly as they had hoped. And then, um, yeah, now they are, but it's, the supply is out. So that's nice. And that's the other thing too. The publishers underestimated the popularity of the book, but again, we've been pushing the shit out of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, sometimes I feel like weird, like I'm posting too much about it. So. Well, before I start, it's time to start drawing. I do. I want to ask, it, has it changed or is it just that, or is it just changed that I'm older now? Like I felt like there was a fever for that, um, for like special effects in movies mm -hmm. and, and, and horror yeah, yeah. movies and stuff back when I was growing up, has it changed? Is there less of it or no? Okay. Okay. Not at all. No, it's still a fever. I mean, I think, you know, the thing is we have directors that are now, you know, now our directors that were the kids that watched yeah. the movies in the eighties and nineties. And they're like, I want to do stuff like that. I've worked with so many directors who are fans of, you know, all those movies and all the effects. And, and now they're doing those movies and they want to have practical makeup effects. So it's never been a lull for us. Tell you the truth. It's like, everyone always thinks like, Oh, well, when VFX came about, it just, it just changed. It became sure. a different animal. So it wasn't like, okay, well, I guess we're out of work now. It's all going to be digital. It wasn't that at all. And it's not that at all. So That's, I'm, 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 I'm really happy to hear yeah, that. Too. Yeah. You and me both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to set the timer and do a little drawing for you. Okay. Uh, sounds cool. You, um, you, uh, you mentioned that you were a big fan of creatures of the black lagoon. Of course. And, um, which is uh, great, but also shitty for me because I have tried to draw. <laughs> Come on, and you I've can do it. Before, it, there's just so much. Like I, I am actually, I discovered in my career, I don't love things that have a lot of tedious uh -huh. things in it, and uh -huh. uh, uh, like the scale. What do you call them? The scales? No, yeah, all the scales. Yeah, and, yeah, so yeah. There's a lot going on with the creature. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, but you know, really it, but it, but with that, it's all about the silhouette. You know, that's sure. how you approach everything from design. Is like, let's look at the silhouette because when you're looking at a creature you know as you're designing it it's not oh it's not about the detail it's about the, the silhouette how's that going to cut you know uh in, in the frame and that really uh that's that's how we do it all that's how everything's about silhouette and then we go inward from there and still that same approach it's always been the approach yeah 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 absolutely i mean we're designing stuff for a show right now a lot of stuff and i'm just like don't worry about the detail just let's focus on the the silhouette of the creature Oh, so. well, that and then you move forward with so you've yeah. got the silhouette and then the yeah then once we up. once we have like okay we kind of like this. i mean I'm, we don't draw like just like a black silhouette but i'm like oh, right you, you got to sit there and look at it and you know how movies are made you know things are going to be shot dark or however so you know you don't want something that's like it's all about detail i always say you know in lieu of, in lieu of form de you know do massive amounts of detail but we don't like that we always think about like how's this gonna cut you know what's what's the what's the silhouette gonna cut you know and that's what you're gonna remember i mean if i showed you a photo or a silhouette of frankenstein's monster by jack pierce played by boris karloff you would go that's frankenstein's monster because it's the most iconic makeup ever done that silhouette 
is is worldwide known you know and so that's what you want to do and i really i also learned a lot of that from richard taylor at weta you know we were speaking about bad taste not that richard worked on bad taste for peter jackson but shortly after that he did with you know dead alive and meet the feebles and of course lord of the rings um but richard and i talked a lot about design and when he was designing king kong for 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 peter's kong it was all about the silhouette and doing a drawing that or designing it so that a kid could draw it on his lunch bag and richard just showed it to me and he did it right there on the loop and i'm like that's brilliant and it's that simplicity you know that makes it really come to life that if you're if you're a child and you can you know draw draw the creature simple enough and it looks like it that's fantastic you've done a great job designing uh designing your monster so what i I discovered in my drawing that because I get asked a lot from younger younger artists, like, how do you get it to look like this or get something to look so perfect? And I often will tell them, you know, I, uh, I only do, a, you know, like a half of the work. The actual human brain sees what it sees and it'll make mm-hmm. it up already. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Like your brain, if I'm drawing an elephant, it doesn't have to be perfect. The human who's viewing it goes, oh, that's an elephant. And they already right. fill in all of the all of yeah. those things do, do yeah. you find that be the same in in making well in making- i i you know what i think what that's about is um you know you do it depends what you're working on like obviously if you're doing a an old age makeup there is something uh familiar i mean we all know what what old older people look like right so that is you can have more of a fault with that like people are like oh, it just doesn't quite look right it doesn't feel natural to me same with like if you're going to replicate an animal like a giant elephant or something we all know what elephants look like but if you're doing creature stuff that's out of our imagination so no one's going to go you know that doesn't really look like a demon to me or that doesn't really look like right. you know a mutated creature or whatever so you have a lot more leeway when you're dealing with creature stuff um but it is nice to always have something that feels familiar you know it's almost like an architecture there's places that you know like a lot of these outdoor malls you know like uh, you know here in la we have you know like the grove and the americana they feel there's something familiar about the design of the architecture so when you go there it just feels you feel comfortable it's it's a weird thing, that you know. Is I, weird. It is weird, but you go and you're like, okay, this kind of feels a little, you know, like old town kind of fun, you know. And it's the way they design it, you know. And then you yeah. spend more money because you're just comfortable. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You spend more money buying stuff, and you spend money eating and buying things that you don't need, and um, which we all do. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah. yeah, it's definitely you know we definitely like you want to have. I mean, obviously, if you're gonna design or create something that you have reference to you know you want to try to match it the best you can right one well, and i'm i was thinking you were saying how it's familiar and i made me wonder i think that maybe why like that's probably why in movies where they have like a fake cat mm. or a fake dog it just looks so yeah. fake yes because and it's so because we know exactly you know exactly what it is i mean we make really good animals but I, there's times i'm like jesus that just you know, it looks good when you're holding it and you get it to set and there's a real dog and you're like, might as well, right. this might as well be a loaf of bread, you know? Is it the uh, movement or is it the hair? Or it's everything. It's all of the above. You, It's so hard to duplicate an animal, you know? Yeah. It's so hard. Cats are the worst. Like, you cannot duplicate it. It's so hard to make a fake cat. And, and that's also difficult with, you know, again, with like age makeup. So, you know, I've done films where we had an actor in an age makeup with real old older actors 
And it, to me, it's just like a red hair. You're just like, okay, get, pick the makeup out. It's right there. Cause you're, you know, it's, there's very yeah. few people who can really pull that off. You know, um, I, I, I discovered yeah. on one, on, a, um, I, I used to make movies back in the day, but I realized I'm not a great collaborator, but, uh, I made a movie and, um, we had Todd Bridges in it and I wanted uh-huh. him, the, the character, he was supposed to be old. So yeah. I was like, can you just make him look like Morgan Freeman? <laughs> and yeah. they told me, they, the, uh, the makeup guys were like, yeah, we can try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a trick. It's all a trick, you know, but you have to have time to do it, you know. And and, and here at K&B, like Greg Nicotero is my business partner partner for 35 years and, and friend for 40. Um, you know, we, we're lucky because we can pick and choose, so... You know, we we are able to smell out the shows that we feel are going to um, uh, be advantageous to us and our crew and really try to stay away from things that seem like they're going to be a mess and, and and more trouble than they're worth. Like after all these years, I, j- I just I'm over the everything being difficult, like unnecessarily yeah. difficult. I'm great with a challenge. I'm that's wonderful. But I'm not big on on disorganization and and having to pick up the pieces of from people that should know better that are supposedly in charge who look to us and, and other people on the crew to clean up their mess yeah. because they're ill-prepared. They come to set ill-prepared. Th- those shows don't interest me on any level. So I just find, and also if they're not fun, like I, I actually want to do this because it's fun. I do it because it's fun. Anything that's not fun. I just really not, I get very deflated very quickly. Do you feel like you could pick up on those on those people those like instantly within a couple instantly. within a couple sentences? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The second <laughs> I see them, I'm like, that's a fail. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 and really, <laughs> there was a show I did a couple of years ago and I really liked the executive producer, writer, showrunner a lot. He was great. And he knew his it was a horror series and he knew his stuff. Then they had a uh, director slash producer. And right away, I could tell that they had no clue what they were doing and had the only horror they knew was what they researched on Google probably 10 minutes before the meeting. And I'm like, this is going to be a train wreck. The show was not a train wreck. The person ended up leaving the show or being asked to leave the show, which that was was the director or the producer. This was both the director. One of the like you have a directing producer. Right. On, a, on a series. On a series. So, so it was the producing director. And I'm like, and I went to the creator and I went, this is going to be bad. I got a bad feeling. And, uh, you know, we gave it a try. And, but you, I smell it a mile away. Mm-hmm. I can walk in and go, no, this is, I'm okay. And I usually just say, I'm okay, guys. Thank you very much. But I'm okay. I'm going to pass. Right. And best yeah. of luck. Yeah. Best, best of luck. I hope everything goes great. But this one's not for me. Yeah. I mean, you want people to, to succeed, but at the same time, like, especially when you've been wor- doing it long enough, you yeah. know, you don't, you're, you're like, I, I don't need to, <laughs> you know, for early on people are like, oh, sure, get, do whatever you need to do, but <laughs> I'm not, I'm not yeah. in this for, well, let me, uh, let me hit you with a couple of um, the Sophie's Choice questions because I like to start off sure. with that. Um, the first, Sophie, your first Sophie's Choice is going to be uh, Howard Stern or Howard Cosell. Well, I would say Howard Stern from the 80s because I've loved I listened to Howard Stern every morning at work when he was on the radio. Um, I have not listened to Howard Stern since he's been on 
uh, serious or whatever he's on just because it does to me what made it so great when he was live on the radio is that's what he was he was getting away with murder yeah. but once once you're broadcasting with no limits or limitations and you can say whatever so the the shock aspect is gone but i loved howard stern i remember working in new york in 1989 and listen the first time i heard howard stern and when we got back to la i'm like dude we have to listen to howard stern he's amazing and we listened to him myself and bob kurtzman uh um we listened to him every single morning and it was just fantastic but yeah you know but i also liked howard cosell you know i mean you know howard cosell was awesome but no howard stern pretty pretty brilliant um you know in the in the early days i thought yeah we still listen to him i mean i still listen to him every day i do have him serious i've been listening to him for a long time he's definitely yeah. changed and i yeah. do i do i do get that thing about it's almost like going to a, a live like the the figure eights in a d derby like you're always yeah. you're waiting for the crash or something right 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 when he was live on air that was kind of the excitement oh yeah you part. never knew and the you know you knew he was going to get in trouble yeah you know? <laughs> no he doesn't and get just, in trouble <laughs> no it's i mean what there's no there's no no what there's no peril or threat anymore yeah. so that was the fun thing and you know and also sam kinnison was alive and oh, he, God, you yeah. have sam kinnison and jackie and all those guys i mean it was complete hilarity i i i loved the show back then well i mean so howard often asks this question and so i thought i would i wanted to ask it of you he does ask it of guests um his actors and stuff he asks it uh -huh. a lot but he asks them when you after you've won your oscar is your phone ringing off the hook now? Are jobs coming out of everywhere? Um, is that, is that he always will ask people, and most people are like, no. But I wanted no. to ask you that. Was that yeah. the case for you? It doesn't work that way. Um, you know, you win the Oscar, and that's great. Really, what it's about is the work that you've done. And you work so hard on shows and films. And the award stuff is just the gravy. You know, you don't, you don't get onto a job to win an award. That's sure. not what it's about. Um, you do it because you want to do the show. It's going to be great fun and you're going to have a good time and great opportunity and work with your friends. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I won the Academy Award with Tammy Lane, who is, is one of my favorite people on earth. And, um, and know what the next day I was, we were back at work being treated like shit. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. So it doesn't mean it, it's not like I, you know, it, it's great. Like I'll forever be known as an Academy Award winner. Yeah. You know? Like it's used in everything. I mean, it'll get used when I even promote. Hey, mm -hmm. watch the show, watch the episode with uh, yeah. Oscar Award. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. that's great. I mean, it's it, there's not a lot of people, and if you think about the world, you know, there's right. under four thousand. Maybe there's four thousand Oscars that have been handed out, but that's about it. Um, mine is in the three thousand zone. So, and that was in two thousand six. So and you were a, 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 were on the TV part because there are a lot that don't get shown, right? No, 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 not at oh. all. That's not true at all. Oh, no. Every category is shown. Oh, what okay. they did, what they did this year, they tried something different that wasn't as successful as they hoped, uh, which was they pre-recorded eight categories that were then edited into the show. So they were not live, uh, but they were on. No, there are no categories that are excluded from the Academy Awards. Oh, okay. That, I thought they didn't. No. Yeah. Well, they should have pre-recorded oh, no, no. um, Chris Rock's old part. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think in retrospect, they wish they everything was different. So no, that, that was probably the best thing that ever happened to him, probably <laughs> in a while. But, I don't know. It was yeah. probably the worst thing that ever happened to Will Smith. Yeah. No, for sure. I even think even worse for for Chris Rock. I mean, I know we're not going to go into that, but now right. he'll forever. It's I will be forever. People you know. will forget that, but I don't think I don't they'll think forget they will. Will Smith's part. I, I, I agree with you. I think that Chris will be fine. 
and he handled it like a like a gentleman and a pro and and will will always have that um hanging over his head oh absolutely absolutely and rightfully so at least in my opinion i agree Um, i agree well uh how about this one uh howard p lovecraft or howard hughes so hp lovecraft or howard hughes oh hp lovecraft yeah, that one's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, yes, of course. H.P. Lovecraft. Are you kidding? Yeah, it's. I mean, again, that's that's you know his his stories and books are part of what fuels a lot of us. You know, our imagination. I mean, we, we all are familiar with it. We all read it. We all dreamed about you know what Cthulhu is and all that. You know, Shadow of Innsmouth and all that stuff and super cool stuff. And and uh, yeah, no, absolutely. H.P. Lovecraft. Last one with the names, Bob's Burgers or Bob Hope? <laughs> oh, um, I'm going to say Bob Hope. Cool. Yeah, I love Bob Hope. So, yeah, <laughs> I love I miss that comedy. I will watch those those shows. And um, same with like the Dean Martin roasts. Those are unbelievable. They're so funny. And those guys are really great. I mean, they're all amazing comedians and performers and entertainers. And that's what we're missing a, a lot of in this world today. Mm-hmm. Like Those guys were really class and funny. And you just sit there and watch your Johnny Carson. You watch the yeah. old Johnny Carson shows. Just outstanding on every level. So, And Bob Hope, you know, it's, everything Bob Hope did was great. So, yeah, I love Bob Hope. I loved watching Bob Hope. And there was something, there was like this um gosh i don't want to say i like uh you know obviously we talked about howard stern i like that dirty and shock stuff but there's something even kind of cool about bob hope comedy that that doesn't seem to exist anymore no not at all you know same with like don rickles i think don rickles was so great and um i'll tell you a little story (laughs) so i was working with my friend wayne toff uh on the movie called casino and so we were in vegas and we finished shooting for the day and we were shooting in a real casino. So Wayne and I were walking through the casino back to the trailer and Wayne just threw a coin into the slot and won $3,000. So it was like, it spread really fast. So when we got into the makeup trailer, Don Rickles was in there and just started on us. And it was great. And we just sat there with giant smiles on our face because to be, you know, comically berated, you know, hockey puck and all this stuff by Don Rickles was I mean, a dream come true on yeah. top of the fact that, you know, you go to set, you, you say, you know, with Marty Scorsese, he introduces you to De Niro and Joe Pesci. And then you got Don Rickles there and you're like, and I, I remember we were flying home and I said, you know, if the plane crashed today, I'd be perfectly you, fine. Yeah, awesome. I mean, that was like one of the greatest experiences of my life, like Martin Scorsese yeah. and, you know, introducing us to these great actors and Don Rickles is making fun of us in the makeup trailer. It was really something that else. casting was. I thought that was really interesting that uh, Don Rickles was in that and he was so good in it. <laughs> He's great. He's great. And so is Alan King, you know, Alan oh, King's yeah. in the movie, too. So, you know, I mean, these guys are all professionals They're entertainers. And that's kind of what we don't have these days. It's uh-huh. hard to find entertainers, you know, and and, you know, I think like regarding the Academy Awards, like I love Billy Crystal and I thought Billy was a great 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 host and because he's an entertainer he's mm-hmm. not just an actor he's not just a comedian he's he is all about a hundred different things and he's really uh really fantastic and so, that host know. job is an entertain is is you've got to be an entertainer yeah, it's entertainment yeah are there go to um, shows where the people that pay for the show are there to hear their jokes 
Right. And they only are, you know, like, but like, I always thought that was a strange uh, it's, thing. It's difficult. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different things they think about. So with, right. with ABC wanting ratings and all, I also like when Seth MacFarlane was the host and I really, right. I love Seth. So you've worked on everything, like all of the favorite, all my favorite things you've, you've got, I mean, it's almost like a, a dream kind of life. Do you f- ever feel that way or mm-hmm. is it so normal now? Or does no. you, do you still have that excitement? Yeah, yeah, of course yeah. I do. Yeah, I mean, I feel very, very, you know, fortunate um, with the uh, life I have and and the career I've had and and how my career has allowed me to have the life I have. And um, yeah, no, I, I I'm always enthusiastic about stuff. I love working with people. I love my friends. I like working on set with my friends. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. It's not, it's not like, oh yeah, I'm just kind of going through the paces. Not that at all. So, uh, I mean, here, I'm here at K and B today, which is the, the sh- my shop with Nicotero and I get here at five 30 in the morning and I go home at 4 PM and I have a great day and I like spending the day with my crew. And, um, you know, nowadays my job has become very administrative more than it is hands-on. I rarely get to do any hands-on work in the shop, but you know, there's so much with like zoom meetings now, since that's the new exciting thing. And, um, (coughs) excuse me. And, um, you know, just everybody, you know, if everybody has 10 questions and I've got like 30 people here, that's a lot of questions a day. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's always something going on and we're, we do multiple jobs. So, you know, there could be like, you know, four Zoom meetings for four different shows in one day. And it just takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And I don't want to like go and try to sculpt something. And then I only have like 10 minutes before yeah. I have to do my, that doesn't benefit me. And plus we have so many great people, so many great artists working here that are better than I am at those sort of things. So it's like, I can have somebody like Mike, Mike uh, Rotola or Jeremy Aiello in there sculpting away and they knock it out, you know, and that's their only focus for the day where my focus is split all over the place so right do you yeah. still end up on, do you will you still end up on set oh 100 right. that's where i get my artistic um joy from so what i do is i i'm a department head so what that means is i'm in charge of my department so i i what i've been doing almost 10 years now if i do a film i'll handle everything including the straight makeup including you know main cast uh, and then any makeup effects stuff. And that way production just has to hire one person. They hire me and then I handle everything opposed to like, okay, we have a straight makeup department head. We have makeup effects department head. It just gets too much. So I like just running the show. I can do it all by myself. You know, obviously I have uh, people that are working with me that, that are the, the key to making it successful. Right. Um, so, but yes, I mean, I tons and tons. I mean, whenever I'm on set, I'm, I'm up to my elbows and, doing makeups first thing in the morning. And then I go to set all day and do what I have to do on set with everybody. Do all problems have to come to you when you're a department head? Yeah. Your department. Pretty, pretty much. You know, I have a strong uh, key or uh, nowadays I, I, I call my second in command uh, is my co-department head. And I think that works well. And if I need to delegate, I delegate. I have no problem with delegating. You know, I used to. Like, yeah, that's hard, right? It is. But I had something I had to learn and, and to be a better leader and to delegate to people that I trusted, you know, and you can't delegate to everybody. There's a lot of people that you don't trust, but um, the people that are always in my circle, I trust them 100%. 
And so. you've had a lot, I mean, a lot of the guys, the crew, your crew and the people who've worked with you, they're long time. I mean, you guys are all long time uh, working together. Yeah, I've so. got, I've got one guy named Alex Diaz, who's been here for 27 years, yeah. you know, and, and then um, another guy, Dirk Rogers, who's been here for 20 years. And um, yeah, Veronica, who runs the, who's our coordinator. She's been here, for, she's rounding 20 years. So yeah, I mean, we have a lot of a lot of people that have been here a long time and we, we have rotations and some people will finish up a show and people will leave because we don't have any more work for them and they'll go work somewhere else. And then when we have work, we'll reach out to them, you know, and if they're oh, okay. available, they'll yeah, I come didn't work, realize so. that that's a, that's yeah. pretty common. Then you'll have just someone come work on for a specific one series. Oh yeah. One. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. I mean, we have a core crew right. of people, you know, and always have, but a lot of the time we just hire per, per, per show. So, you know, can I ask you about the studio that you're in? So I, it's clear you're in an office, but then I outside am. of that, is there like an art studio portion that's mm -hmm. messy and dirty and all? No, or, not messy and not dirty. Not messy and dirty per se. No. It can get messy and dirty. It, it can. It can, but people have to clean. Yes, it's a 20,000 square foot shop art studio. Yeah. So this is my office and there are offices up front and so forth. And the, the, the main design room is in the office space. And, but then you go in the back and there's a sculpture room and there's a mold making area and there's a fabrication and seamstress area, mechanical department. So it's, it's all broken up into departments, but yes, it's a giant shop. That's, that's all, you know, um, parceled out into different departments, you know? Um, and there's right now about, yeah, 30, 35 people working here. And everybody is, um, you know, d d I, like I have sculptors, I have mold makers, I have painters, you know, uh, seamstress. So location, I mean, you have to be the in Los or in California for to for your business, right? No, no, not oh, at all. Okay. No, the reason I ask that is yeah. I, we I we we live in a small town called Hannibal, Missouri, Mark Twain's mm -hmm. hometown, mm -hmm. um, and it's this tiny little town. Missouri has a film commission, but there's no, no one gives a shit about Hannibal. But like just right across the street from me, there's a huge hospital that mm -hmm. has been vacant for fucking 10 years. And it looks like you could film an entire series there and no one would bother you for years. Right. Then we got old churches that are run down and we got and we have all of this old infrastructure for a perfect uh -huh. uh, series, zombie series or anything. Right, and I and I I just don't know how I can. I mean, I, I worked in the film industry, but twenty years ago, I don't know anybody anymore. But right. I always wonder, like, why don't pe why aren't why isn't that happening? Well, that has to do with the film commission. They need yeah. to get out there and promote it, and you know, go to these go to the 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 um these whatever these shows or or or. Uh, these conventions they have film conventions and film markets and, mm -hmm. and sell, sell it. And like, look, you can have this and imagine shooting this here and this, yeah. and this is, you know, and it's also about a tax credit. You have to take a look and see if your, your state has a, a specific tax credit. Is it, is it more cost effective? Cause see the thing is in where you live, there's not a really a film community. Right. So you'd have to bring everybody in. So you have bring to think about that. You're going to have to bring the crew in. You're going to have to put them up. You're going to have to fly them out. You're going to have to give them per diem. You're going to have to get them car. You're going to pay for the gas. Right. Um, and so, and if there's not a tax rebate, then that's going to be a problem. So where you can go to Atlanta right. and you get your tax rebate and they've got, a, you know, great crews there. So is that, um, are that, yeah. you feel like that states or cities or like, or sorry, states that just don't realize the amount of um, revenue 
a film production brings in like that's every everybody was shooting in canada for a while until atlanta mm-hmm. did their whole until atlanta put in those great right. breaks but it's like it's the only i mean that's where everyone goes to film now it's pretty yeah i mean it's very cyclic you know i mean it always used to be california for obvious reasons weather and you know all that stuff and the crews are great here and the unions and so forth and then producers started to look for less expensive options, you know, and went over, went to Canada, which I've shot a lot in and had mm-hmm. a magnificent time. And then Canada got expensive. Then they went to Europe and then, you know, shot in Bulgaria and Prague. And, well, you yeah, know, Prague was the big one for a while. Yeah, Prague is big. And so anyhow, it just goes around in a circle, right. and, you know. Um, then there's the story you hear about in, in Los Angeles where the guy will go out and mow his lawn during the shoot. <laughs> So that the, the oh yeah yeah you've got those people yeah people that want off. yeah they want some extra cash you know like hey sorry I got to move along like okay we'll pay you a thousand dollars if you stop mowing your lawn you know? yeah you've got that going on too. does that come that's, out of the sound guy's pocket or does that come out of the production <laughs> no 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 that's out of locations actually oh is it Lo- yeah locations has to do with that shit so oh, yeah sad. I always feel bad like. It's like you know we hear this and the poor location guys to go out and find where that noise is and then talk the person like please yeah. can we not do that so yeah it's always no, but it's three in the morning i need to mow my lawn now <laughs> yeah yeah Wait, um, hey. what were your who what were your early influences or how did you what got you into to doing the makeup like to doing special effects well i i loved monsters and movies my dad was a film fanatic and uh he kind of raised me on monster films and just movies in general because i love all movies and um i saw a movie called the the thing with two heads or maybe it were, or two headed transplant, one of those. Movies. And in it had like this two headed gorilla. And I was like, God, that's so cool. And a guy named Rick Baker had done it. I didn't know who Rick Baker was at that time, but I just knew seeing all these monster films and the classic universal films and so on and so forth. I knew that there was somebody or people that made these creatures for movies. You know, my dad explained it to me and I started just, you know, there wasn't internet, there weren't books, there weren't schools. So I just, there was a magazine called Famous Monsters of Filmland. And my dad got me a copy and in there was all this magical stuff. And I was like, okay, you know, once in a while, there'd be an article on John Chambers and how he did Planet of the Apes, or there'd be, you know, this young guy named Rick Baker doing Incredible Melting Man. And and then also Ray Harryhausen, who was the godfather of stop, stop motion animation. And I loved all those movies, Jason and the Argonauts and Valley of the Guanji and Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Those were uh Did he big do the fans. Clash of the Titans? He did the original Clash of the Titans. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. that was the last movie he did. Okay. So yeah, I mean it, it's just all that stuff. So I then realized, okay, so I'm gonna have to focus in on my art, learn how to sculpt, learn how to draw, learn how to paint, you know, learn how to do makeup. And I just started doing it in my own bedroom. And I, I had three sisters, three younger sisters, and they were my um, subjects. They were my victims when we were growing up. So I would just go ahead and do all my test makeups on them. Um, and uh, they were they weren't willing, but they they had no choice. But yeah, that's it. I mean, I just and then of course once I really got into it, you know, uh, in my early teens, you know, I learned about Rick Baker and Stan Winston and Dick Smith and Rob Bottin and you know, started writing them and getting to meet them. And, and yeah, it's really, I was just super aggressive, uh, in terms of, of trying to get to where I wanted to go. And, um, and I took initiative, right. And, uh, it was a lot of phone calls, a lot of, you know, walking miles with a box of crap to Stan Winston studios and knocking on his door and 
uh yeah things like that so it was uh it was you mentioned dick smith did he do did he do taxi driver or did he do the yeah yeah dick worked on taxi driver dick did uh worked on little big man the hunger um isn't he known for his like making the the fake like the fake blood like the new the new kind of well yeah i mean he came he came up with a formula in the 60s and or 70s that's the same formula we use today Oh, what was the form? What was what were people using prior to? Well, there was a there's there was a company 3M and they produced a film blood that um, if you watch films from like the 60s and and early 70s, it has like a very like red cadmium red kind of paint quality to it. Yeah, almost orange. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very opaque. It doesn't look real. So, but it looked okay in person, but it doesn't look good on film. So Dick was like, this is terrible. I want to reinvent the wheel. So he came up with a formula that was like caro syrup base with different food colorings and a preservative and uh, a wet, a wetting agent in there so that it didn't like beat up It soaked in and, and sheathed as blood does. And, and when I was a little kid, I wrote Dick Smith about it and he sent me the formula, which I still have. Oh, wow. And that's the formula I used as a kid. He wasn't, he didn't, he wasn't worried. Like he was okay with just sharing that. Oh yeah. He was, he was, he was all about sharing. Awesome. Dick Smith was not, he shared with everyone. I have a giant book sitting here with all my notes from Dick Smith when I was growing up, everything. And anytime I had a question, I would write a letter to Dick Smith and he would then eventually write me back. But he was always really good about it, which then led me into like me thinking, like, if I ever get to a position like Dick Smith or, you know, I, I, I'll, I promise I'll write everybody back. But that, of course, was when, you know, handwriting or internet. Now I get five million emails every day and DMs and all that stuff. <laughs> so I write everybody back. So um, but it's, uh, you know, it was great. It's great. And and Dick was very, very accommodating to everybody, you know. Is and, Dick and, still alive or is he No, he passed away. Yeah. He passed away. Hit that the blood the blood scenes in Taxi Driver, that's like one of the most brutal things. I'm not most brutal, but man, I remember seeing that when I was a kid. I was like, Oh my yeah, it's, god, it's, this bru- is so it's, real. it's also brutal within the context of the movie. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's how you have to look at it. Like it's the movie. It's how his, how Dick's effects were used as part of the storytelling. Yeah, yeah. And that's something else too. You have to look at when you're working on a movie is like, you don't want to be grandstanding. It's not about the effects. The effects integrate into the storytelling and allows the act, the director to, you know, let it integrate into, into their world. So, oh, well, speaking of directors and blood and stuff, um, I got into filmmaking. I was talking about this in the intro, but I saw Pulp Fiction in the theater like uh, 13 times and I, I signed up for film school the next day. Mm. Um, I mean, I was a fan. I, I always wanted to do special effects when I was a kid, but never the mo- making the movie part until Pulp Fiction. Right. And, and I, I saw Reservoir Dogs after. And I, I just realized, I didn't realize that you guys were, I mean, I guess I did realize it, but I didn't really realize it until last night when I was just going through, re-going through your credits. Mm-hmm. But you've all, pretty much worked on all of Tarantino's movies Mm-hmm. And I thought I saw an interview or heard or saw something where you were talking about the blood you did for Kill Bill was kind of not that same um, blood that Dick Smith came up Well, with. it was different. We had different blood on that movie. So, yeah. I mean, we've done all Quentin's movies with the exception of Jackie Brown because there was nothing in Jackie Brown. Right. But we've always worked with Quentin from day one till now. And he was um, a fan of your. That, that's all. I mean, that's. I mean, I'm sure you realize it, but like for someone like me, like that's like, that's incredible. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's very loyal. He's a very loyal guy and and we're very loyal to him as well. Good. Um, 
So on Kill Bill, during the House of Blue Leaves scene, we went through 500 gallons of blood. And and it was a lot of blood. It's like a Guar concert. (laughs) Yeah, it was like a Guar concert, exactly. (laughs) And um, so one day, Quentin was yelling about needing Japanese sword blood. And I was like, what the hell is he talking about? And I was like, I went over. I'm like, what do you? He's like, Japanese sword blood. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm not sure what you mean. He's like, yes, you do. You know, the Japanese sword blood. And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, he means like, so it looks like the old 3M blood, you know? So I ran upstairs and I grabbed a gallon of blood and I poured in uh, milk into it. And it then clouded it and made it opaque and weird looking. Shook it up, took it down and put it on the sword. And he's like, see, I knew you had it. You know, you said you didn't have it. da, 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 da. And so I gave it to the prop guys who were like, oh, thank God. Thank you so much. We thought we were going to get our heads cut off. (laughs) And so I went upstairs and I made a bunch more, but not using milk. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to reformulate this and use zinc oxide. But in that moment, as Quentin was really demanding the the Japanese, uh, yeah, sword blood stuff, um, I just mixed it really quick with something that was white and opaque. And and that worked out great. But yes, so we have a blood in our shelves because we sell a lot of blood for film. And it's all different types. There's human blood, there's human dressing blood, there's pumping blood, there's vampire blood, there's zombie blood. And then we have low light blood, which is also known as Tarantino blood. So, <laughs> yeah. And and Quentin's the only one that gets the Tarantino blood. Everyone else gets the, the sticker that says low light. Right. But, but when we go to set for Quentin and he needs, you know, we always bring a couple gallons of Quentin Tarantino blood. He seems pretty intense. Does he, does he ever, like, mm-hmm. calm down? Oh, yeah. He's the greatest. I love I mean, Quentin he seems Tarantino. great, but he just seems high strung a lot. No, he's <coughs> he's very well, he's very excitable. Yeah. He's very passionate. He is very smart. He is his brain is always ticking and working. And uh yeah, he's one of the I, I he's my favorite director to work with. I adore I adore him. Yeah, he seems to be very well, not seems to be, I know he is incredibly knowledgeable about cinema. Oh, and he knows everything. Yeah. Well, he's got a book coming out, I think, next week or the beginning of November, uh, all about cinema. So he's starting a book. I saw he's starting a book tour. So, um, but yeah, no, he's, I mean, he can do anything. He's so, so talented and I love all his movies and. Yeah, me too. I love working with him and, and, uh, I know Greg loves working with him and, and he's become a good friend through all the decades and, awesome. um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's super, super cool, man. It's, well, it's, I, uh, he's a great I don't know director. if it's a secret, um, mm. but did, does it in Kill Bill, does it cut to the gray scene in there because of the, all of the blood, like it would have got an X rating or something or, mm. or was it just for, I, you know what? I, I don't know. There's a Japanese version that's all in color. Uh-huh. Oh. So it could be that, but it could also be stylistic. I, I mean, we got in, you know, obviously it was very, very bloody. Yeah. Uh, and during that <laughs> sequence, it's very, very bloody. Um, but, you know, it's hard to say. Quentin, you know, listen, originally Kill Bill was shot as one entire movie. Right. So there, there wasn't a Kill Bill 1 and a Kill Bill 2. It was just Kill Bill. During and production, then, it was always just that then? Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's one script. And so um, we shot it as one and the cut came out to be like four and a half hours. And Quentin was like, I could release it. And the studio was up for releasing a four and a half hour movie. But then Quentin thought, no, what? I think I'm going to cut it. I think I'm going to cut it into two movies. And it was great. And it worked out really, really well. And I remember going to see it and 
the and and he said that he's like i had the op- i had the option i can do either or but i decided to make two films instead of the one and i think it all worked out really really you well did. because the uh when the set, I remember when the second movie was released, they, that same day they released the first movie on like DVD. So they basically, with their with their promos, killed mm-hmm. two birds with one stone. It's like before you see Kill Bill two, buy Kill Bill one on DVD today. And I was like, that's a stroke of genius. <laughs> so, so they um, were all they yeah. were both shot at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, it was, it was all one movie. Okay, all one movie. Wow. Yeah, it was a long, 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 long shoot. I was um, on that for like nine months. God, yeah, wow. how fun! Yeah, it was crazy. And then he must have been editing forever. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. Yeah, he's pretty brilliant. You guys, was Reservoir Dogs the? How did you guys end up? Well, I'll get off <laughs> of you, but how did you guys end up uh, working with Tarantino? Was he just a fan of your guys's? Or well, we were friends with Quentin before he was oh, famous, God. so we knew Quentin from another friend of ours, Scott Spiegel, who used to have these barbecues on Sunday. And he was friends with Quentin, and that's how we met Quentin. And we just became friends, and we'd go see movies together, and go up, you know, go eat, you know, and whatever. We'd always go to the, the 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 like the art cinemas and go see like the Japanese John Woo action films, like Better Tomorrow, or you know those films. And Quentin had no money then, so we would get up to buy our tickets, and Quentin would then go, "I don't have any money. Can you get my ticket?" <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "Yes." Or when we'd go eat, the bill would come. He's like, "I don't have any money today." Can you- <laughs> I'm like, yes, I got your lunch. <laughs> and I remember he came to visit while we were doing, we had a break. When we got back from China on Kill Bill, we had a break just like a week or so to regather ourselves before we started shooting back here in the States. And Quentin came up to the shop. And before he left, he's like, hey, I don't have any money. Can I borrow 20 bucks? I got, and I just went like, I can't believe you don't have any money. I said, here's 20 bucks. I said, you don't have to pay it back. You've paid us enough in you know, all these years. So uh, anyhow, Bob Kurtzman, who who was the K in K and B, he uh, wrote a treatment, a twenty-page treatment for a movie he wanted to make called From Dust Till Dawn. But he really wasn't a writer at the time, and he wanted to um, he he wanted to get a writer. So he knew Quentin wrote. So he's like, hey, I you know I asked Quentin, and Quentin was working at the video store. And and Quentin's like, yeah, dude, I'll write, I'll write the script. That sounds great. So we paid him fifteen hundred dollars, and it was the first wow. time Quentin, Quentin was ever paid to write a script. And from that money, he was able to um, not, you know, not have to work at the video store and focus on writing. And then we also promised that if he ever made a movie, his first movie, we would do the effects for free. And uh, we and we weren't sure if he was ever going to make a movie, but we sure. just threw that in as part of the deal. So he ended up writing Dust Till Dawn for Bob. Bob shopped it around. People hated it. They said, this is nonlinear. You can't tell this story. It's, um, you know, is it a gangster movie or is it a monster movie? It doesn't make any sense. And then uh, it kind of, the script kind of died and just laid there for a long, long time. And then Quentin called one day and said, hey, I got money to make this movie. And I'm going to call in the other half of the deal, which is you guys do all the effects for free. And that was Reservoir Dogs. So we did all the effects for free. And uh, we didn't know what we were, you know, what we were into, but we knew, you know, he had a good cast. It was a great script. Anyhow, movie was done, edited, finished. And Quentin called us one night and uh, said, hey, I'm going to screen the movie down in Hollywood. Why don't you guys come on down? So we went down to Hollywood and we uh, saw the movie and we were blown away. Like our jaws hit the floor. 
and we were shocked beyond belief and how great the movie was. And the next day, Quentin was a superstar. And that's yeah. that Dust Till Dawn script became a really, really hot script. Anything Quentin wrote that got really bad notes from the studios, be it, you know, be it um, uh, Dusk or be it uh, Natural Born Killers or True right. Romance. He had written a handful of scripts that became giant movies, but they all they all they all got bad notes because they are. They didn't fit the bill of, you know, storytelling the way it was. So Quentin was was very um, innovative in the way he tells stories. It had never been done before. Absolutely. And now it's like you see Now they people, teach it in film school. Well, yeah, and people try to emulate Quentin Tarantino, and I'll watch a movie and go, they're trying to be Quentin, and it's yeah. – there's only one Quentin Tarantino, and he's the and, only one that can do this. And that can be distracting in a movie when mm-hmm. – it's always nice for, for you to – borrow from your um you know your the people you admire but when yeah. it when it becomes a distraction and, and that's what's great about tarantino movies is his is, was so different than anyone else's oh yeah you've never seen tell it. someone's uh-huh. oh yep they're stealing that <laughs> we're not yeah, stealing but yeah, yeah. and even even the banter you know i've seen movies yeah. and it's just it doesn't work yeah quentin has a style quentin has a style of directing mm-hmm. you know i watch him and he directs each actor differently because each actor has a different personality opposed to directing everybody the same. You're not going to get the same results. You know, if you're directing this actor, like if you direct Uma Thurman differently than you direct Lucy sure. Liu, then you direct Mike Madsen, then you direct David Carradine, then you direct, you know, Harvey Keitel. It's all different. And Quentin is a master at that. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he can be very kind and gentle if he feels like the actor needs that. And then he can be very forceful and aggressive if the, he feels that's what's going to get the actor motivated. So I, I think he's a complete genius and I love every movie he's made. I think he's wonderful. And um, yeah, I'm a huge fan. And also, if you haven't read or audio listened to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is his first novel. It's fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. I'll have like, to I, was, I was obsessed. Like, I, I'm going to read it again. It was so great because I'm thinking like, okay, so he did his, and this is Quentin's first book. Yeah. And I was like, he did a novelization of his movie, but it's not, it's not what you think it is. And it's, it takes, it's, oh, I don't want to even say, but it's not what you think it is. I loved it. I put it, I had it on audio oh, and I just I'm listened to it up. and I would listen to like, you know, an hour a day and, oh God, it was so good. And the way and he tells the stories was so great. It does. It's not it's not the movie. Right. And did it come out before or after the movie? Came out after. It came out last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love that. Oh, it's so too. great. It's so <laughs> it's so great. I just I loved it. It's such a great book. So yeah, and it's cool. so it's written so well. So well. I'm very thrilled to know that you're that you love movies, that you're still yes. into movies and that's oh, God, yes. you there. Uh, so, well, how about this is a uh, uh, Sophie's choice: Conan the Barbarian or Conan O'Brien? Oh, Conan the Barbarian! <laughs> Are you crazy? I know. Who, who did the Who did the makeup for the Barbarian series for the the movie? The new one? No, the old, the oh. original. No, Conan the Schwarzenegger one. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Oh, okay, because um, that was all done awesome. in like in the UK and Spain. And oh, all okay. That. But I love that movie. That's one of my favorite films. So great. Uh, yeah, John Milius. Yeah directed it wrote and directed it with and and wrote it with oliver stone and it is 
it is a great, great lesson to watch. I mean, it's great to watch. You learn so much about how the right way to shoot a movie is. Yeah, it's everything about it is perfect. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. It is no. great. And Ron Cobb was the production designer. He was a brilliant, brilliant artist um, who passed away last year. And um, and Schwarzenegger is outstanding. Great music. Basil Paladoris, yeah. uh, one of my favorite scores. And um, yeah, and John Milius, who's, who is a crazy ass filmmaker who I love. That makes me wonder when it first came out, was it a hit? I it wasn't a hit, but it wasn't a failure. Right. So, you know, but I went to see it opening day. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I loved it. I ditched uh, I ditched high school and I diverted to uh, to a movie theater by my house and lied to my parents. Um, said school was great. Um, but instead <laughs> sat in a movie theater watching Conan the Barbarian. I used to do that a lot. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Oh, I we have a question, a call-in question for you. All right. And uh, so uh, it's from a guy. Before, I will, I'll lead into this question from this guy. When I was a kid, I, when I wanted to be a special effects artist, he was uh, this kid two years older than me. And he was way into all, he knew all things horror movie, all that. And I think maybe that was what kind of got me into it. Uh, one night we had a sleepover at his house and we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And I think I was probably 10 or something, but I fucking called my mom. They fell asleep and I called my mom, yeah. my mom and had her come pick me up. From the house. I was fucking terrified. But anyway, this kid, this is the guy who's called in um, uh, with a question. He owns Skull Shop. He's a good friend of mine. I grew up in the neighborhood with him. Mm -hmm. And I think he just sent you guys some skulls. But anyway, yeah, here yeah. we go. Let's, let's, uh, let's hear what, he, what his question is. All right. Hey, Ty, this is Kyle from Ohio, currently sitting in New Mexico on my way down to Santa Monster Palooza. I had a question for Howard Berger. I was wondering what advances in materials and processes over the years have helped streamline production or come up with a better result for things that they used to do in the past versus what they do currently. I certainly don't miss Zotter spirit gum and mineral spirits all over my face. <laughs> anyway, thanks for your time and congratulations on the book, Howard. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. I'll see him at Monster Palooza this weekend. That'll be great. Um, <laughs> I would say there's a lot of things that are different. I mean, we still have the same processes, but, you know, there's a lot of ma different materials. We use a lot of silicone. You know, we don't use spirit gum anymore except for gluing down hair pieces and things like that. And even that's changed a lot. But, you know, we have, we you know, we use a lot of silicone uh, appliances, prosthetics, which are great gel, gel filled. Um, they work really, really well. Uh, I go back and forth between different materials, depending on what the show is, what I feel the show, the show's needs are. I love foam rubber still. Um, I use a lot of foam rubber on shows, uh, but I'll use a lot of silicone. I'll use a lot of the Prosade 3D transfers, which are, we call lick and stick them. So they're kind of like, you know, two two D tattoos. You know, water slide, mm -hmm. and except the three dimensional, we use a lot of that stuff based wow. on you know what you can get away with and what you need. All the wound stuff is that way they hold really really well. They look great all day long. And um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a lot of different a lot of different materials. You know, you have like I said, silicone adhesives. You have great sealers. Um, it's certainly changed a lot since the the way back when i used to apply makeups you know when i was younger with spirit, spirit gum, gum? <laughs> yeah yeah with spirit gum and it was just stinky and smelly and and I, you would have sometimes you'd have um somebody in your chair be it an actor or maybe usually a stunt guy and um they were out drinking the night before <laughs> so they're basically you're putting the 
the spirit gum on their face, which is alcohol solvent, and the piece would start to the glue would start to crystallize and the piece would fall off because they were sweating and they were sweating alcohol. So they were basically sweating off what we were gluing down. It was a mess. And I would always go like, did you did you go out drinking last night? Like, yeah, dude, I got totally hammered. I'm like, yeah, because nothing's sticking because you're sweating alcohol. So that happened quite a bit. Um, But um that's but funny. yeah, no, it's it's a good question. So yeah, materials are very different. Even in the shop, you know, we use instead of using we don't use do plaster molds anymore. We use uh, syntactic urethane systems, and you know, uh, the all our molds are syntactic now, which are last forever. They they run really really well, and they uh, they don't break down, and they're lightweight. So that's really the thing. Because when we used to have like hundreds of plaster molds, it was insane. Uh, but now it's they're lightweight syntactic molds, and they work great. Are materials cheaper, or or is inflate, or do they have they gone along? Oh yeah, and- no, no, nothing's cheap. Nothing's inexpensive. Right. It's all everything's did, expensive. Did that change a lot during like after the pandemic? Did you have any yeah. like yeah? It went yeah, up a and, lot. And, and shortage too. We couldn't. Yeah. like we had a hard time finding rubber gloves. Believe it. Or not. I mean, oh, you right. know, obviously, yeah, yeah. but things that we use every day, we, we were all on back order. It was uh, yeah. When we came back to work, we came back very very slowly with a teeny tiny crew just to test the waters and it was really difficult to to get um materials and all that stuff so it was it was a lot of work does the high resolution does that did that was there a long period of adjustment to yeah, that there still is yeah yeah i hate it yeah because um, the camera can see every fucking yeah they see they everything. see they see everything that your eye cannot see so you miss a lot of stuff and I'll like look at something and I'm like, okay, yeah, I think it looks okay to me. And then I'll go look on a monitor and I see a hundred things wrong with it. And I'm like, oh, I can't man. see it with my naked eye. This is, re- and it's unnecessary. I think, you yeah, know, yeah. every, every department suffers except for like post-production and, you know, and production, I guess, cause they just keep rolling and rolling. I feel bad for the editors because the editors have like, non-stop shit that they have to cut through it's like instead of just having film and using you know here are the takes you know print the takes that you're going to use and the, this is the choice there's just like you know they just let the camera roll and there's like hours of people wandering around i'm like why are you what's the reason behind this, this oh, doesn't yeah. make any sense to me so I well, what know. is the reason what what is what are we benefiting from this high resolute what like what is the benefit? well i i think it's a combination i mean i think from the uh, the money standpoint it's they think it's less expensive than shooting film you know uh because of post-production and they don't have developing costs but I, I i don't know about that i think that's bologna sandwiches and then um and because people, for some reason, think like, you know, higher for higher K or whatever, 4K or 8K or whatever is better than anything. And it's like, it's not. It looks like shit. Yeah. I remember I, I, watch I, yeah. A movie if it no, no, we, 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 we purposely like we have a screening room and I said, buy a projector that's not great because I'm not watching this in high. I'm not watching any movie in high def. It doesn't feel like a movie. No, it's not. It's horrible. And I remember I went to like for, like Best Buy or something. We were looking at TVs years ago and they had, a, you know, documentary stuff and, you know, fish under the water. And I'm like, yeah, that looks fucking great. But I said to the guy, I said, is there a movie, you know, um, option here? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, so it doesn't look so a movie doesn't look like a piece of shit. 
I said, it'll look, it's like, oh no, but it's, you know, in three, in 4k, it's amazing. I said, no, in 4k, it sucks. Yeah. I said, put a movie on and they put on transformers and I'm like, look how shitty that looks. <laughs> and he went, oh my God, you're right. I said, because you guys have these TVs and you're playing things that were shot digitally specifically to be projected digitally. But you, if you watch a movie, it looks terrible. It looks flat because it's digital. Mm -hmm. There has to, you have to have some sort of like theater or cinema setting. So that's what we do. I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to ever watch anything in high def because I think it looks terrible. Do you think a, um, a, 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 a movie company or a director or a, a production company will end, will realize that and no. come out with something soon. No. That's like no. no. Where do you think we're stuck with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it's gonna. <laughs> I think it's gonna be the next generation that's like, hey, there's this stuff they used to use called film. That's, that's really cool, and yeah, it's vintage and retro, and we should do that. I mean, we have filmmakers like Paul Thomas Anderson and right. Quentin Tarantino and Christopher Nolan and J.J. Abrams, and they shoot film, you know, and I love it, and it looks great. Mm -hmm. And um, every time I go to a film set and they're shooting film, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, my God, this is so beautiful. You know, I think it'll have that same retro comeback thing. I think that will maybe. Happen. Yeah. I mean, it'll never be what it was because, you know, it's just too expensive. You know, it all everything comes down to the bottom line at the end yeah. of the day, sadly. So it is. a Yeah, it is a business. It's a I just hope that um, people haven't forgotten on the other side of the camera how to process the film oh no that well film because it's a yeah well there's not a lot of labs there's only like a very small handful of labs and there's a very small handful of manufacturers of film right. you know and then everything's different lighting all of that's different when you yeah everything's all, different all it's that, all, all different talent goes like or not talent but yeah that craft mm -hmm. like like brick masons like I, I'm my dad was a brick mason, so I come from that. But I worry right. about that going away. No one's going into learning how to lay bricks. Then what? Our houses are built. Yeah, no, yet. it's yeah, yeah. Who they'll they'll three D print your house, which <laughs> I think which I think they're doing nowadays. They so. they yeah, they are right. They're three D printing homes. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, technology takes over, and sometimes it's better. But just because it's new doesn't mean it's best. That's my feeling about things. So. Um, yeah, your drawing's looking good. I like that there's a Minotaur underwater with the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, and I, I was yeah. trying. I, did you design the um the yes. yeah the one from Chronicles of Narnia? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I, but yeah, the sign that he's holding. I mean, it's always going to be in my style. But the sign that they say, "What the, what are you doing down here?" <laughs> there you go. Yeah, what's a Minotaur doing underwater? <laughs> and then I always do tentacles as like you know as right right Lovecraft things. And you're so, right and you're right handed, huh? I am. Yeah, yeah. Are you left handed? Yeah, I'm left. Yeah. Do you still draw a lot? Uh-huh. Yeah. Not awesome. as much as I, I should, but yes, I, I do. I doodle a lot. Yeah. I found what sometimes when I have people who aren't artists on the show, they, I mean, it looks like sh shit, right? You know, obviously I, I will have to detail it later. That's supposed yeah, to be yeah, 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 of course. discussion. Yeah, you're not going to do it in 45 minutes. So. <laughs> yeah. It's really difficult. Right. I, when I came up with the concept of the show, I, at the time I was doing a whole bunch of quick doodles as right, right. during the pandemic because I, was finding that I was losing, you know, it's one of those skills that if you don't draw yeah. every day, you, it I goes know. away. Like it does, it does. And that's where I'm at. Like I have to get back into it. My wife's a fine artist and she works nonstop. And, uh, I'm always feeling stupid. Like I should sit down and, and work, 
and uh, even just do drawings. And I've got tons and tons of stuff, but it's like I need to get back into it. Well, and and plus, your life gets things get so busy, especially for someone they do. like you. I can tell you, I know I you don't need advice from anybody, but I did start doing that. I bought that little cheap timer and I yeah. set it for one hour because you know we all have an hour goes by like that. Oh I yeah, yeah. For one hour, and I just do a drawing, and what, and that's one that's hour, smart. and it just keeps. Maybe I'll me, do that. Yeah, it, it works. It works. I do it every morning with yeah. my coffee. It's That's pretty, smart. Pretty, pretty and I, I'm impressed that you're drawing and talking because I can't do that. Uh, I have to focus on the drawing. I like. I would just be if it's, if I was drawing, I would just barely have uh, like the legs drawn. It's just because <laughs> I'd be talking all the time. I can't. I can't work and talk. You know, I got. I'm focusing and. Well, most of my drawing comes from my subconscious anyway, so I do prefer to not be thinking about what I'm drawing. Though when I'm talking to people where. I'm like seriously interested in every moment. Mm -hmm. It's harder for me. Like, and so having sure. a discussion with you is a little harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. Though, let me ask you this, uh, Sophie's Choice, real quick. I don't, my timer, yeah. I don't know what the hell happened to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you're about there, though. I know, I know. Uh, let me just hit you with a couple of questions. Yeah, and, sure, go ahead. Uh, I'll do a couple of <laughs> this is Sophie's Choice ones. So, Brian Dennehy or Brian Brown? Uh, Brian Dennehy. Awesome, yeah. and I bring that question up because the the night there was the 1986 movie um, FX with Brian Brown and Brian Dennehy, mm -hmm. and I I'm not saying it was um, the movie when I saw it, he goes into his apartment and he's got these yes. uh, you know stuff everywhere all his yeah. special effects monsters and all that and I dreamed of having my house like that mm -hmm. I just thought that is so cool so I wanted to know was your house ever like that is it like that. Or... Right. When I was a kid, my bedroom was like that, wall-to-wall -wall monsters. As an adult now, my house is not like that. I have two rooms. I have my office that has a lot of cool shit in it. And because I have my shop, so I keep a lot of the stuff, like all this shit here. My wife's like, so what are you doing about this when you retire? I'm like, it's going to go home, <laughs> you know? And uh, she's like, no, it's not. And... Um, <laughs> And so in my office, I have a lot of stuff, a lot of art, a lot of uh, cool Star Wars stuff, a lot of cool Star Wars helmets and lightsabers and all that shit. And then uh, I have a, a room upstairs that's like my slash wine room, cigar room. And that's got cool. So it's got gi the giant Haunted Mansion stretch paintings in there oh. and a little Frankenstein thing. And I've got a lot of monsters in there. Creature from the Black Lagoon, some original artwork. Uh, I really love... I collect uh, the original artwork for for uh, one sheets for for uh, posters. Yeah. So I'll look for those and buy those all the time. And I've got a stack of unframed, uh, amazing amount of art. So that someday, I guess someday I'll frame it. I don't know, or maybe I won't. I don't mm -hmm. know. But yes, and my wife, uh, the outside of that, the house. Just if you went there, you would know that a monster maker works there, which I like. I didn't want monster shit all over the house because sure. it's not really what it's about. But um, yeah, that's it. Just two rooms, oh. two rooms that have some monster stuff in it. Okay, I'm gonna rapid fire you because I know the time is running. I knew it was gonna happen. I even mentioned it at the first. There was just gonna be so yeah, much that I wanted to ask you about, but we'll just have to do it another time or right. something. But uh, uh, Fangoria or Gorezone? Fangoria. Yeah, Fangoria. Yeah, yeah. I love Fang. that magazine. What was your favorite uh, horror movie, like monster magazine? My favorite monster magazine. Yeah. Well, I love I love Famous Monsters of Filmland that Fori Ackerman put out, but I lo I love Fangoria. Yeah. I mean that I, that was I remember getting the first issue my mom bought me when I was a kid, and 
I just lost my mind. I couldn't believe what was in there. It's so and cool. I was like, and this is a magazine just for me. Yeah, it's different now. It's different. Sure. It's not what it was. I mean, it, right. it's great. It's high quality. I'll tell you that much. But uh, it's a different world. So, you know, it's not as much about the stuff I love. Yeah. You know, well, that's, that's okay too, because now, because they, they can, I mean, I follow them on Instagram. So now like they share their stories on Instagram. So it's almost not like you have to run out and get the right print. Well, there, there are no, there are no more magazines. I mean, right. there used to be Cinefax, Cine Fantastic, uh, Cinemagic, uh, Gore Zone, all gone. Yeah. All those magazines are gone and there's Fangoria and that's it. And that, and that was, that was also part of the impetus of me writing the book. It's like, there's nothing out there that chronicles the history of individual people that work in the film industry. And, and I want, I want this to be something that can help perpetuate those stories and the history of what we do and be a learning ground for up and coming makeup artists and just something really, really fun. And yeah. as, as, as all the magazines started to die off, there was no more resource. And, um, well, it's that's a good sign that, that you're that, that that it's been sold out. I mean, that means there. I mean, there is a a, a a want for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, there is. So it's great. People seem to really love it and they enjoy it. It's fun. It's you know, people. Yeah, yeah, it's well, great. Um, what about uh, this one? I ha I want to know the uh, MPAA. Uh, was there ever anything that you put in a movie that got cut out because of? Uh, yeah, of course. You hate um, that. <laughs> well, I did. Now I think the ratings board is horseshit. So, but there was a period, uh, probably in the nineties where they were very, very strict with stuff. And there was stuff we would make that got cut out, you know, have uh, they lightened up? Are they, do they I don't even think they have any power. I don't yeah. think, cause if you're streaming, who gives a fuck? Yeah, that's true. Everything you know? goes now. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. When you were talking about Howard being on Sirius now, I was like, well, he was up against what what do you call that the fdc yeah 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 but i yeah. think that's even like the stuff i hear on the radio i'm like that would yeah, have never no you could have never, never heard this yeah it's a different ago. world now so you know i think the ratings board is whatever well, they're useless I don't, they now. have no yeah i thought they were always useless yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> I, I hated the ratings board. i thought that how dare they tell you know not allow me to see somebody's art you know, I do find that we every once in a while now we we not anymore because our daughter's sixteen, our son's fourteen. But we were using a a thing just to know like, can we watch this with the kids? Is there right. it was usually like sex stuff that we didn't want to watch? Well, kids. yeah, of I course, but you can do research about <laughs> yeah. that on your own. It doesn't yeah. have to have a G or a right. F or, or you know, whatever. Yeah, okay, let me and you just these, go. Oh, sorry, yeah. no, that's, was, no, go on. I was gonna say, let me hit these three uh, the the main things on our show because I, I okay. forget to them. They always end up at the last. We'll do the the question from Dibs, and then I want to do this useless factoid, and then we can, and then we okay. can get, we can get. Sounds good. Listen to more of this. Well, probably time to do some questions. Let me get my question pouch out. Dig around down here in the bottom. See what's in my word satchel. Probably got something good in here. Hold on while I grub around in it. <laughs> All right, Howard, before we get to the actual question, I need you to just take a look at Ty from the waist to the top of his head, his hair, his beard thing, his breasticles, his general, you know, torsomatic revelations. Just soak in all the time. Soak it on in like you're a tie sponge. There you go. 
Now take all that kindness and help me answer this question. Which one of these three movie monsters slash creation things or whatever you could do the makeup on and it would best represent the essence of Ty hmm. as a movie character? Huh. One, the troll from Cat's Eye. Just think about his beard. Take a look at Ty's head. You can feel me on that one. Two, Riverdance Godzilla from Monster Zero. If you could see below the waist, you'd see his knees, and you'd understand why I put that one in there. Or three, Dirk Diggler's prosthetic dong from Boogie Nights. That's good. Choice is yours. I think you know where I'm going with my choice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, those were very, very good. By the way, I kept going like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with something that I was responsible for, and it's gonna be the Dirk Diggler uh, prosthetic. So, because really, how it worked is we had the prosthetic on Mark, and then we had a little what we call a merkin, a little hair piece. So that could definitely be your beard that we go on, and that kind of blends it all together. And uh, yeah, you know, it's just, and I think if you were kind of like leaning this way, kind of bending over. It would it would be appropriate, like if you were like <laughs> bending down, and I think that we could probably probably take the Dirk Diggler appendage and uh, and and be able to convert it. Uh, do you guys do you do you guys have that at the shop or does the no Mark Mark has it? Oh, give he does. It to Mark. Yeah, give it to Mark. <laughs> I, I was talking about this yesterday to somebody else, and Mark uh, we gave it to Mark at the end of the show, and he uh, he has it in a safe in a black in a, like a glass uh, like. Uh, container or something like that but yes we we have all the molds but we gave mark the um oh, that's great the actual dirt diggler was that when that was that in the script like was that written out did you know that you guys were gonna have to come up with that yeah yeah from the oh from yeah, the, yeah 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 did it, yeah that, at the original yeah. script was did you always know that was gonna be at the end that was how the movie ended in the original uh -huh. script oh okay uh -huh. so you guys yeah, knew yeah. you had to plan for that for a while we did but we had to make versions that mark could wear underneath his clothes because you see the outline yeah. so we had a bunch of different versions of of that did you what is it always did you always know how the size you were gonna make it or did you have to try different we tried different yeah 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 never, no oh. we started we first made one that was 12 inches and on Mark, it was pretty gigantic. <laughs> and so we then made one that was seven inches. And that's the one we went with. Oh, the, yeah. The seven inch one. Yeah. It so, looks so yeah. real. But that's something that you don't see uh, all the time like a cat. So it's easier to make those look real. <laughs> this is very true. Well, yeah, I guess so. Depends. Uh, um, but yes, no, it was good in that it had the proper weight when Mark takes it out. And a guy we work with all the time, his name's Garrett Emmel. He he spearheaded the the work on that movie, and he sculpted that and applied it on Mark and all that good stuff. So, but yeah, when, um, we end the show with a philosophical question. Oh, uh -huh. I do want to just say this though. In from Dust Till Dawn, do you, are you the one that uh, turns Tom Savini? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you guys still, do you have a relationship with Tom or do you guys, or is it a competitive relationship or are you guys? No, nobody's oh, yeah. competitive. I, that's why I was going to ask if that business was competitive. No, because Tom, Tom's also retired. So, yeah. but no, I, I actually got a text from Tom this morning. So, well, tell um, me you did our show because he was going to do our show right during the pandemic. And then mm. uh, they were doing those mass things. And I know he's got his school and he's busy, dude, but I yeah. love that dude too. <laughs> he's the best. Tom, Tom is a great guy. I love Tom to no end. Uh, here's our philosophical question, then we'll wrap up and then we'll do a final yes. promotions of what you're promoting and things that are okay. coming up. Uh, and 
the philosophical question is, is there an inherent order in nature or is it all chaos and chance? Mm, okay. It's a little bit of both. I, I mean, I always feel everything happens for a reason, you know, um, but I do believe uh, that there is a tremendous amount of chaos, but I feel that with the chaos, and this is, I don't feel like anything's pre-destined. Right. I don't believe that, but I do believe things happen for a reason. And I know some people hate when I say that, but I have, I, I have um, experienced, be it pro or, or, or con or positive or negative, that um, things that will happen and eventually they will reveal themselves, the outcome of that, uh, and I can tie it together. And uh, granted, that just might be me doing that, you know, you know, and then go like, see, if that didn't happen, it's kind of the sliding doors thing. If that didn't happen, then this wouldn't have happened. Or if this, you know, everything leads to a path, whatever that path is. Again, it's not pre predestined. It's not like there's somebody's like today, Ty's going to do this. And right. you know, he's, after this show, he's going to go walk across the street and, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but I just feel everything happens for a reason. And, and uh, I don't know. Well, but yes, I think things are things are chaotic. They need to be chaotic because uh, then you just wouldn't. There can't be order all the time. Right. You know, that would be a mess. <laughs> That'd be worse than not having chaos. Yeah, there are some governments that try to make it that way. No, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did skip this one, but I so I got to put it in the useless right. factoid. Uh, the I had one, and then I was like, "Well, he knows this one." But this uh, maybe Adrian. Well, Adrian definitely doesn't know it. Maybe the the people listening don't know it. But in Evil Dead Two, you can see Freddy Krueger's glove uh, mm -hmm. hanging on above uh, the door above the toilet. That's true. That yeah. is true. Uh, you worked on that one, yes, obviously. I did. Uh, so if you didn't know that one, and then you're going to know this one, but it was based on, because um, I'm doing the Creature of the Black Lagoon, but um, the one of the first female animators at Disney, she was um, uh, uh, Millicent Patrick, right? That was her name. She was um, <clears throat> kind of like one of the, the original creator of the, of the monster with Bud. Well, Bud Westmore and her kind of designed it, but he downplayed her involvement with it. Yeah, I don't know how much Bud actually had it involved in it, but there are other artists, a lot of other artists, Chris Mueller, uh, Jack Kelvin. They were very, very instrumental. I think, I think. Um, did she have, would she what, like design the, the, Matt, the. I think she did some drawings. Oh, okay. That's my feeling. You know, it depends who you speak to. Sure. I think she did a lot of drawings after the creature was made. Oh, Okay. I think it's a different story, but I'm, none of us were there, so we don't really That's know. That's true. And well, anybody, who, anybody, yeah, anybody who was there is long gone. Yeah, true. So, but there's been a lot of discussion about that. It depends who you talk to. Some people <laughs> will champion her, and that's great. I know there's a book out about her, but I, I think that she was involved, but I don't think she was the designer of the creature okay. in the Black Lagoon. Yeah, because that one was I didn't know. I just saw I saw it in a thing, and yeah. I thought, oh well, that I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll have an idea. Yeah, yeah. I would say out of all those people, Bud Westmore was probably the least involved with okay. the, the, the creation of that character. Well, because he comes up in the cre like the main credits. Well, of course, but yeah. that's but that's how the studios used to work. He was in charge of the makeup department. Right. So back then, just the department head got credit, but Bud Westmore could oversee twenty movies being shot at Universal, so his name would be on twenty movies. That doesn't necessarily mean he worked on twenty movies. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the way the system worked. 
Well, yeah, it was uh, amazing talking with you. I'm sorry to get the whole thing of the drawing done, but I will get it All completed. Good. I'll put some more time into it, and then I'll get it sent <laughs> out to you. And, All right, um, sounds good. Is there fine, what your final thoughts of what, what you're promoting Sure. Well, I mean, the book is a big thing. So Masters of Makeup Effects, it's written by myself and, and Marshall Julius, and that can be uh, purchased in any bookstore, uh, your local bookstore, and uh, or ordered on Amazon. Or you can go to our website, which is mastersofmakeupeffects.net. And you can order, uh, it'll give you links to all the bookstores you can order from, because um, it's, it's all it's global. So it's all over the world. And uh, also gives you opportunity if you want to purchase any merch, T-shirts and um, cool swag, buttons, uh, posters, a whole bunch of cool stuff that my buddy at Funky Monkey makes. Uh, and um, and then a link to all the bookstores that you can order from. But it's 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 universal. So you can you can go to any store. I went to uh, like a Barnes and Noble over the weekend and uh, my books were there and it was oh, great. Cool. I was super excited. Yeah, so. that's fun to see that. Even it though was. you've been in move, you've worked on movies and your name's in movies. It's cool to see your own book. Oh yeah, dude that 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 book busted my ass. So yeah, yeah I'm very proud of it. Well, very congratulations it. to you, Thank and you. congratulations for to uh, um, what seems to be a pretty awesome life and and yeah, and, it's good things that go for you. So I can't complain. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us, man. It was sure, awesome. thank you. It was really a pleasure. Have thanks, a great rest guys. of your day today. All right, you too. Okay. Take care. Bye. 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 Uh, okay. There. Well, there we go. That was uh, a very nice conversation. I did feel. I thought I lost the timer, and then it was. I had set it over here. So that ticking, ticking, ticking sounds so loud. So I wanted to move it. So we, I, I was during the last part of it. I thought we had gone over the time limit. So I felt. I started feeling like, oh shit. He's and he's a busy guy. He works in the film industry. They're always busy. But prior to the to the episode, I told him, you know, usually he just asks for in about an hour and a half. But he he said, oh, we good. He was good on time. So I I I don't know. I really enjoyed that. I could. People like that I could talk to forever because they know so much about the movies. And then they have these inside stories. And great question from Mr. Dibbs, too. <laughs> I'm going to have to text him and tell him that Howard went with uh, me. Dirt Diggler. That's funny <laughs> because Dirt this Diggler's morning dong. I saw a headline that said Mark Wahlberg um, something moved to moved out of Hollywood. <clears throat> For his family to be in Nevada instead, as Nevada, like, because like, isn't he kind of Christian or something? I don't know. Like he a, may have gone or there, right? pretty straight and narrow kind of guy. But I'm just thinking, like, oh, okay, he went to this place to have a more normal life for his kids, but then he's got this big <laughs> thing in a case somewhere. <laughs> but I thought it was funny that he got it, took that uh, prosthetic home. Thanks to Howard for um, for joining us. And do go out, as he was talking, I was getting ready to log on because I will be uh, giving myself a Masters of Makeup shirt. And uh, I do want to get that book. I also, because I used to buy those uh, Grand Illusion books from Tom Savini. No one cares. I'm rambling. Thank you for, for uh, listening to the show. And um, hopefully we'll get Tom Savini on next. I'd like to talk to him about it. Is there anything you'd like to say, Adrian? Oh, I was just thinking um, when he was talking about going into the dressing room with somebody after putting oh, yeah. uh, money in the slot and him, the guy just kind of busting his balls about whatever. But I just, 
I don't know. I guess people probably still do that, but... Ball busting? Yeah, just kind of that um, roasting of yeah. others and stuff. I, I wonder if that's kind of a thing of that dies with our generation. God, I hope not. I wanted to ask him when but he brought up the funny. roasts. Yeah, because they still have new roasts. Yeah, but I just mean in general. Like, yeah. we would do that with friends. and. I think people still bust balls. You just got to be <laughs> careful where you're doing it at now. I mostly had you know brothers and guy friends so i that i was felt like i i think it was kind of a guy thing but i felt like i was around it quite a bit and well, i don't think busting funny. balls is a guy thing but definitely there's a there is a diff there's a different kind of busting balls guy i think the guys seem to do it a little differently than the than the women do it yeah i don't know i never really had too many friends that were girls so yeah, I don't know. I, well, I hate to generalize, I really don't but... know. and I also thought it was interesting because I know that after people drink a lot, that they sweat a lot. Yeah, that's funny. But I didn't know that there it was actual alcohol. Yeah, isn't that what sweat of... is? Isn't getting rid of the toxins well, in you it's anyway? Salt. I know it's salty, but I didn't know that it would. You know, you could clean a paintbrush with it. Not really, but it would dissolve enough the glue. that it was. Yeah, that's funny. That. I, but <clears throat> what do you think of the the call in question thing? I thought that was pretty cool. I, I I'm kind of going to do a little bit more of that. You don't you don't have an opinion on it, <laughs> or do you? Not really. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> I think we, it's just nice. I kind of got lost. I get lost when other people are talking. Sometimes. Oh. <laughs> 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 well, there's a whole lot of other people talking on the show. I'm trying not to. Well, but. We're having a conversation, and that's just right. kind of comes in, so, and I can't really interact with plus, them. Plus, Kyle's question was very technical, and that's not something, I mean. And I couldn't clarify. But you know uh, spirit gum. Remember how shitty that stuff is? I don't know it, actually. Oh, really? I know what kind of it is. It's like It used to come in like a um, goo for. Not even just a goo. It used to come in uh, like fingernail polish jars, you know, like a with a little brush on the end and you would paint that on and it was like basically super glue. Oh. And you put that on to put fake scabs on or like right. fake. I know thing. what it was used for, but I never. Oh I never man. And that stuff, the only like way that. to get it off was like this other stinky stuff called spirit gum remover. I'm sure it was just the same stuff that nail polish remover is. I'm pretty sure you've done more makeup than I have. <laughs> I'm just like a mascara kind of person ever always have been i never did any gashes or <laughs> painting of my face i never even used a what is it that people put on their face girls always have on their face i don't know a base yeah one of those so i don't know you Nale. probably have more <laughs> Nale, what is it what is what is the stuff that girls what do you what do you put on your face makeup put on the face what is it base What's it called? Foundation. Foundation? Is that what you were saying, Foundation. Adrian? Foundation. Foundation. Yeah. Thanks. That kind of stuff. <laughs> Not, no, have you, ever, have you ever used spirit gum? No. Do you know what it is? Yeah, I think oh. so. That come, came up in our conversation today. Okay, that was all. Okay. No, I mean, I just, I didn't, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. All right. Your use with makeup is probably far more extensive than mine. That's all I'm saying. Well, hey, thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, October 28th is our Creatures of the Night show at the Old Blue Gallery in Hannibal, Missouri. If you're in town, come on through. Uh, it's going to be a fun night. And thank you again, Mr. Dibbs, for a great question. That one was great. They're all great. They're fun. But that one, 
I could see that was bring, making Howard laugh. And I can see that you think of me as Dirk Diggler's dong, so I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> any final thoughts or final anything, Adrian, or something I'm missing? Okay, thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Howard Berger, and um, next week we'll see you on POD 45. Okay, goodbye. D-O-D. Thank you for joining in on yet another episode of DOD 45. Please hit the subscribe or follow button so that you never miss an episode. You can even go one step further by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts to help other interesting people like yourself find our podcast. You can find me at ArtByTai on all the socials or at ArtByTai.com. If you'd like to follow this podcast on social media, we are at DOD45W on Instagram, or you can go over to our website, DOD45.com, where you can shoot us an email, join our mailing list, and watch all of our past episodes. Thanks for joining us. Peace.